and gentlemen, and welcome to the January 23rd, 2018 edition of Season 5 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report normally comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., but now that we are heading into February and into the most intense and exciting part of the year, we are switching to a Tuesday night main show and a Sunday night encore so that we can cater to every game that happens right up to the minute going into Tuesday. Every week, we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week. Let us know about it. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me a message. My name is Elliot Weisselberg. That's E-L-L-I-O-T-W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You could also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wise Guy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. You can also follow me, friend me on uh, on Instagram my handle is NSN Court Report because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. And what a shame that would be. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade, and they are shining up the trophies real nice for the next installments of the Yeshiva League Championships. Get your orders in today because they will be very busy. Once the month of February and March hit, give them a call, 718-769-4111 for all your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share with the amazing efforts and accomplishments of all these kids with you each and every week. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our episodes going all the way back to the very first one. Plus, you'll be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Hello, everyone, and uh, for those of you still on vacation, we hope you're enjoying your time away. For those of you that are back in New York in what seems to be a little better weather than when you left it, I I guess, you know, it's that time of year where it's things get a little crazy. And I'm not just talking about the weather, I'm talking about the Yeshiva League. Uh, um, For those of you coming back, you're looking ahead to the next two to three weeks of the Yeshiva League, which are insane. They are setting up to be one of the hardest fought, one of the grittiest, one of the tightest Yeshiva League finishes in a very long while. Each of the leagues Almost every single one of them still has major spots to be determined. Uh, there are still playoff races, especially in basketball and hockey. Can't wait to get into those. Um, on the show today, we actually have a great interview that will detail uh, a lot of the uh, the races that are still to come. I talk with the man behind the uh, Twitter account and the, uh, the informative, JHA Hoops, uh, you can find him uh, in many places, uh, the Jewish Hoops America website, uh, and even on his own Twitter handle. But he's around, and he is the man that gives us all the information across the nation, not just in the Yeshiva League, but all the way out, Florida, Texas, California. John Bandler will be with us later on in the show. Had a chance to interview him this past weekend. And uh, really informative, and he really caught us up to date, and we'll catch you up to date on exactly what is going on around the nation and why 
uh, those of us who live in the metropolitan area, Shiv League bubble, sort of might want to expand our horizons a bit and and try to learn a bit about what's going on around the nation. As you see when uh, we get to the interview, it's very modest, very humble. He very much thinks of himself as this everyday fan who just gets to be a part of the process, which I can, you know, I can relate to extremely well. I feel the same way, but the truth is the guy has his finger on the pulse of everything going on around the nation. If you're looking for uh, a guy with expertise about Yeshiva League basketball. Truth is, he's seen more basketball than most, and even though he tries to shy away from it, after you listen to today's interview, I, I feel strongly that you will agree with me on that. Like we said in the opening, tonight is Tuesday night, and uh, yeah, you're getting an actual show. Thank you for those who tuned in this past Sunday night to the uh, encore, uh, I guess you can call it a, a year encore, to the interview with uh, Amir Gavran last year regarding the uh, YU Roller hockey team. YU Roller will also uh, be back in action over the coming weeks for the second half of this year. Amir has graduated, but several still to come a little later on in the show. We'll touch on what's gone on in their season so far and what is still to come for them. That is later on. Uh, but again, thank you for listening to that. Uh, honestly, one of my most favorite interviews, if not the most favorite interview I've had on the show, considering I've known Amir from when he was a little kid just starting out in hockey, all the way to uh, where he uh, where he and the, the group that he helped find last year uh, up into his graduating day. So really a, a great interview, and I'm glad I got the chance to play it for you again, for those that uh, listened into it. That was actually, taking a look at the date, that interview actually happened literally uh, almost that had, the interview happened about a year ago, literally a year ago from the date we aired it on Sunday. So glad that on the anniversary of that we could actually get that to you. But uh, yep, so starting tonight, this will be our schedule. It'll be Tuesday night main, Sunday night encore. Now, why is that? Um, the reason why we do that is because. Not many games happen over the weekends as we get closer to the playoffs. Most of the games will sort of uh, congregate on uh, the weeknights, and the majority of them actually will happen on a Monday night. It just it works out that way. And so this allows us to capture those Monday night scores and, uh, and get that to you. Whereas if we do it on a Sunday, there's really not much action from Thursday through Sunday. So it doesn't make as much sense because then you're missing out on what we can, on what we, well, we're missing out on what we can give you by one night. So I figure why not move it over two nights? You capture Monday night. You get a little more information, especially towards the back end of the Yeshiva League, especially towards the playoffs. And it makes things a lot easier, uh, well, next Sunday, um, not not this coming Sunday, but Sunday the 4th, Super Bowl Sunday, where we will not be on. We will be preempted by the Kosher Halftime Show. And then we will have a show that Tuesday. And then once the Shivali playoff starts, it'll be Tuesday and then Sunday the Encore. And that will lead up to our championship games. Now, the schedule for the championship games is as follows. Um, March 11th will be the uh, Varsity Basketball Championships. March 18th will be the Varsity Hockey Championships. And I believe March 
8th, if I'm not mistaken, are the girls' basketball championships, and you will be able to get them all right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. That is right. For the second year in a row, the Nachum Siegel Network will be the only place for you to see the main stars of our league showcased in the championship game. Now, we'd like you to be a part of this, as I've said all year. If you want to be a part of our show, if you want to be a part of the Yeshiva League Championships, let us know about it. We are looking for sponsors. We are looking for people to help us put this show together, and we're looking for people to help us make this as great as it was last year. Knowing that last year we were able to reach 5,000 viewers within 36 hours of the game. You know, looking at those numbers, it's staggering. For Yeshiva League hockey, for Yeshiva League basketball, 5,000 viewers is unheard of. It's unheard of for one basketball game, well, for two basketball games, considering it was JV and varsity, and for two JV and varsity hockey championships. It's astounding to think what we can do for you with that exposure. Give us a call. Let us know. Be a part of it with us. We are looking forward to working for and with you. That being said, we have a lot to get to today. We are going to touch on a little bit on hockey. Hopefully, uh, like I said, we're going to have an interview with uh, John Bandler for basketball, and we'll touch a little bit on the uh, on the YU uh, Max roller hockey team, and that will be our show for today. Next week, I'm looking to get a hockey interview. Hopefully, uh, Coach Mo Fuchs will be able to come back and sort of uh, help wrap up hockey into a neat little bow. And uh, next week we'll touch on basketball, and we'll see what basketball needs to have for the remainder of the year. Uh, There's a couple of games uh, that happened this past week in both hockey and basketball. Uh, We'll touch on the hockey ones, even though, uh, I mean, really, there there were two, and neither of them actually happened. Uh, And we'll get to that as we get into hockey. The basketball games that did happen, we will get to next week right here on the Court Report, and we will wrap it up into a nice, neat little bow. Or I should say, a nice, neat little gift with a bow on top. Right now, though, we are going to kick off our show with the interview. That is the centerpiece of our show for today. Uh, it was once again, it was a, a really great interview. It was really uh, uh, fun to be a part of to listen to the insight of somebody who really does have his finger on the pulse of what's going on around the nation. So please uh, sit back and enjoy this interview that I had this weekend with John Bandler, uh, JHA Hoops, uh, literally the person with his finger on the pulse of what's going on around the nation. While the Yeshiva League is on vacation, this man is still hard at work. You can check out his updates multiple times a day on his Twitter account, JHA Hoops, and on Jewish Hoops America. Please welcome to the Court Report, John Bandler. Good evening, John. Hey, John has been involved in the basketball scene both locally and nationally for nearly a decade as part of the JewishHoopsAmerica.com crew, where I also spent several years. His tweets are informative and the conversation always enlightening, so you, as the preeminent expert for what's going on around the nation, had to know that we would eventually get you on the court report. Uh, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's face facts. There is no other person who has the finger on the pulse of what is going on in the nation. Am I correct? I don't, I would, I would say that. You know, a lot of people are following things. I just, uh, I guess I get, I get more coaches to reach out and, and get me information about the others, maybe. 
personally, I think you're being too modest. I follow you all the time, and I'm sure several of our listeners follow you as well. So let's 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 talk about how this all got started for you. How did you get involved in in Yeshiva League sports and also also basketball on national level? Um, I was uh, an assistant coach for a while at MTA, and I was a head coach. And after that, I was uh, I met. I don't even know if I met Elliot Steinmetz even before that, but. Um, I guess once he started JV Elite, he had a summer camp, and he had the website, and I kind of, I always wanted to get kind of things done. I'm from Maryland, I grew up in uh, Silver Spring, I went to uh, Hebrew Academy down there, um, so my um, my focal point was never you see the league basketball, until I got to, you know, I went to YU, so I certainly followed it um, then, um, and I just, I've always thought that there was, unfortunately, a ceiling for Jewish high school basketball, there was you know, you see the league is great. It has, you know, has a championship. It has, uh, you know, it has a, a critical mass of teams that you can follow and you kind of, you know who's who and you know who's uh, um, leading the pack. And the problem is that there's so many other schools. We're basically tracked in you know, 75 schools around the country. Um, you know, 30 years ago, nobody really thought of all those. Everybody, everybody had a team, but there was no cohesion. You had a few tournaments around, you know, this was before Sarachek, this was before Puto, this was before, you, know, you had occasionally, like my high school had a tournament back in the early 80s, but again, it was four or five teams, it wasn't really that common. Um, now you have a whole bunch of tournaments out there, so you have teams competing, um, and I think now you have many schools from outside of New York who are, who are, are recognized as, as good programs. Um, you know, before, 30 years ago, you maybe had two or three, you was always a strong program. Now you've got four or five schools in, in just in the, you know, LA area, uh, itself, um, that are, that are outstanding programs. Um, you got, I, I, Crown, uh, was always a strong program. Um, you know, the Miami programs were always pretty good, but now you have just, there have been several that have popped up over the years that are just strong programs, but, um, you know, rival that, and don't rival what you see the league has in terms of critical mass of, of competition. Um, but, you know, when you get these tournaments together, it's, it's, it's a good way of, uh, and, and I just thought that there was a feeling for all these schools around the country, which were good programs, but really, none of them were going to compete for, for state championships. Um, none of them had the same thing that you see the league had, you know, its own championship. So I thought there was a, a way to recognize schools on a competitive level. That being the case, um, you've done a very comprehensive job bringing national to the local and vice versa. So in that way, I congratulate you. Congratulations on actually accomplishing, in my opinion, and I'm sure the opinion, the opinion of many of the listeners, the feat that you have set out. I really think that what you are doing with the account, along with the Steinmetzes, uh, Elliot Steinmetz, again, the head coach of Yeshiva University Basketball, I think that the very comprehensive uh, overview of basketball around the nation has been accomplished. And so for that, I think you guys deserve a lot of credit. So now bringing it to the topic of conversation, the, um, the Yeshiva League. Uh, you've had uh, several years. Uh, how many years have you been covering the Yeshiva League itself in terms of uh, the tweets and uh, the results and everything you're involved in? Uh, we've been doing this now, I guess, 11 years, 10 or 11 years, um, 2007, I think. You'd venture to say that you're an analyst like me. Every year, 
season begins, take a look at the teams and the schedules, uh, and that's effectively when our year starts for us. Coming into the season, were there any major expectations that you had for the 2017-2018 year? Um, I think more than more than most years, it was it was kind of up in the air as opposed to some other years. Some other years, you're you're absolutely certain, um, you know, who's going to be the top two or three teams. Um, this year was really up in the air. I mean, you've got a very good Mike and David team, but they're young also. I mean, they have some very solid juniors. Um, so you weren't sure. You, you know, I was pretty sure that they were going to be strong. Versus last year's has always been strong. SAR has a lot of mix. So I think what we're seeing now, we're seeing four or five teams kind of separate themselves a little bit. And I, I think if I, I had to pick the four or five at the beginning of the year, it might have been them, but you want it. feeling that Mag and David really would have been, you know, a year further away. They did win the JV championship last year, but as you said, very young. I don't, I don't know because they have two, because they have two very solid seniors starting. Um, so there, there is the mix. They brought up two, you know, they brought up um, um, Siri and and Matt. I'm, I'm pretty sure are juniors. So I don't always know the years of the players, but I think those guys are juniors. You, you pair them up with Sharon and Rocky as seniors. That was that's a that's a, a really good mix when you have two good seniors, um, you know, anchoring the team, and then you bring in two guys who really fit in right away. They've been scoring and they've been leading the team, helping lead the team, you know, throughout the year. So um, I, I didn't necessarily think they were a year away. I, I, you know, and again, I, I think that first, if you looked at it first, you weren't necessarily sure first was going to be as strong as they are. Um, so, so you know, I thought that there was a good chance that they that they'd be competing competing at the top, but uh, you know, no no one predicts undefeated. So, <laughs> right, but you, could you have expected that they would have jumped out right out of the gate against you know a team like Frisch, especially in the preseason tournament in Mag and David? Um, I was only reminded of this recently, but I guess Frisch might have been missing a few players at that tournament. I think those two are are, are you know nip and tuck right there. Mac and David did win that game, but I. I Maybe first was missing two or three players, so I'm not sure that, um, you know. I, I also, it, it's funny that, that, you know, Mac and David is always going to compete at their tournament. They're always going to be right there. So, and I think, I also think, um, I think Volensky was also in Israel for DRS. So, I think first beat DRS, so that kind of helped for us a lot. I mean, um, Volensky and then whatever Stein has done at DRS is, is very impressive. Um, they have a balance that, Absolutely. I mean, you saw a few weeks ago, they, they played Mac and David and Frisch, both incredibly tough games. Um, so DRS is right there with these guys. They're not undefeated, but I believe they're right there with, with, uh, with Frisch and Mac and David. Okay, so just to just to uh, go back on what you were saying before, Albert Nasiri is a sophomore. You were right on Natkin. Natkin is a junior, but there will be... Uh, right. Yeah, I, I, knew there were, I knew he was an underclassman, under but yeah, so right. sophomore, he's... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a great mix to have when you get two season veterans, um, you get a junior and a sophomore brought up there. That's, that, that goes pretty well for the next year also. So let's talk about a team that most people actually didn't know much about coming into the year. The Waterbury Wolfpack in their inaugural year in, in the league. Any any thoughts on them coming into the year? Um, no, it's impressive. I mean, you know, they've always they've always they've played at Datra and they've always played, you know, they've, they'll play two or three games a season the last four or five years against UCLA teams. And, and they've, 
they've always done pretty well. They've been in every game. They've won some. So I don't know that it was that surprising. I've, I've seen them one time. I saw them at Ramaz. Um, they had a pretty good lead in halftime and, and let it slip away. Um, I, I was impressed with the mix they have. They've got size. They've got some good guards. Um, I, I thought that I thought they let the game get a little bit carried away um, in terms of set offense. I thought that they, they needed to kind of protect the ball a little bit more in the second half. Um, and and Lamar's just chipped away at them, and then they just couldn't hit the couldn't hit a basket in the fourth, um, and, and lost by maybe eight or eight or ten points. Um, but they were right there. Lamar's isn't one of the one of the top teams in the league, but um, it, they they do have a nice balance. Um, they'll probably end up probably eight and six going into the playoffs. So that gives them a, a good position, kind of middle of the middle of the pack in the playoffs. And and again with their with their balance, they they could they could make. Do you think that Waterbury's um, success could send, you know, the Spielers out to other teams who are in the area, a little skeptical about joining the league, a little teams a little further out of the metro area like them, sort of send, you know, a signal to them, say, hey, you know, you could compete on this level? Um, who are you thinking of? Which Anybody who's out there, uh, Solomon Schechter team, Solomon Schechter of Jersey was one of those teams a year, a couple of years back that were considering it. Solomon Schechter of Westchester, who I believe is doing somewhat well outside in their in their league. Well, those guys play. I mean, they play in. I mean, they are. You know, they're they're a Jewish high school, but they play straight up public school. I mean, they're they're class. I guess they're class B or C. I'm not sure, but. Um, you know, it's not the top level of public school, but they, I mean, they do very nicely in there. You know, there's, there's always one or two games like Alexander Hamilton and, and, uh, and Elmsford and, and Tucker Owen up there that are just much stronger. So it's, it's hard for them to advance. Um, but um, I, I don't know that they're, I, I haven't heard that they're looking to do something like that. Um, you know, Waterbury is Yeshiva. It's Yeshiva League. So right. it's not, it's not funny these guys are These guys are kind of in established leagues. Already, um, I don't know. It might have been different with Schechter and Long Island. I don't know that they were in the league or anything. But but Goldhawk in um, in New Jersey and and Schechter and Westchester, I mean, they're, they're pretty established in their in their in their uh, public school class uh, class leagues. Got it. I mean, I was just shooting from the hip. These are just names of teams that have had some bit of success and you know could translate over. So right. Obviously but not these are, but these are teams that but these are teams that never. Play the Jewish school. They don't play the Hessel. They don't play the after. They don't play. You know, I, I think Christian was trying to play Goldar. I don't think it happened. I think Goldar played played Frisch a few years ago. Um, Schechter never plays um, any of these. Schechter Westchester never plays any of these schools. Part of it is just their schedule. By the time they start, they have fall sports, and by the time they start, their their schedules are um, um, are really tight. I was even talking. To, I was talking to the athletic director at, at Goldar, and I was. Saying, you know, you guys should really play Schechter Westchester. They do like one of these like round robin tournaments at night, at, at like one night with, with the three Schechter schools, and they're uh, like scrimmage and they don't even play each other. They should have a, and she basically told me we've gotten their dates. They have no, you have nothing available. So, um, <laughs> you know, certainly the 14 game schedule is kind of limited. You know, you see the plays a little bit of a limited schedule, so that's, um, you know, that's something that might be attractive for people, but you know, having never having no history of playing these schools, I'm not sure what their you know, what their desire to get out of their own leagues would, would be. 
Well, speaking about our schedule in the Yeshiva League, right now we're roughly at the 90% mark. What has been the biggest surprise and the most impressive thing that you've seen so far this year? I, I, I probably have to say DRM. Um, you know, they, they, Gabriel Lafer graduated um, two years ago. They had an unbelievable season that year. Um, last year, they were, they've been good for several years, but I, I just thought that I wasn't sure that they had, um, but they have tremendous balance. So while they have a great player in Gideon Walensky, they have four or five other really solid players who I, I really think they could they could make some noise in, in the playoffs. Um, and so I wasn't sure, you know, I thought that there would be some schools, um, certainly in the West, that would might, you know, give them problems. But again, the only losses they have are really close losses to these two excellent teams, McAdoo and Fresh. Um, otherwise, um, I guess... Uh, um, Heschel's done a really nice job. Uh, I mean, a few surprising losses, but, you know, they really built some, some young players around Elon Ordeal. Um, you know, I thought with, with the young team that they had, they might, might falter a little more. I think that's probably indicative of why they, why they lost one or two of those games. They lost to MTA was, was surprising. Um, so, um, but, but they've, they've put it together with some, you know, Evan Pickman has put, put it together with some young, young players around Ordeal. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they respond next year when, when you know, when, when he's not there. Um, I think SAR has a lot of balance. I think they could also, um, you know, they, they still have a shot at winning the division. I think it's an outside shot, um, but they still have a shot. Fish has, you know, two tough games left on the road against SAR and Russell. Um, um, you know, SAR, SAR almost beat them in, at first, so certainly, you know, the game coming up uh, at SAR is gonna, should be a close one. Um, but um, surprises, uh, you know, nothing, nothing else, nothing else really. I mean, I think it's, I don't know that it's a surprise, but you've got four or five teams that, you know, in the in the Western Division, they're just interchangeable. I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen any night that these guys go out there. Um, you know, you've got, um, I think the stronger seems to be Rambam and Hank, um, maybe, but, but there's a little bit of inconsistency there. Hafters really come on, um, really gotten much better since the beginning of the year. Um, uh, and they, uh, no, they still might not make the playoffs. So it's, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot still in terms of which of those teams, um, you know, make the playoffs. You obviously have one or two really big games coming up uh, that should decide it. Uh, you got YD and Flatbush. One of those teams could still make it. I don't think both of them could. But, no, the, the um, loser of that game is effectively out. Right, except that, except that they lose from the other and, and, and beat the RS, they could you know, still sneak in somehow if the other teams lose. And then Matt North Shore and Hafter both have, you know, tough games coming up. So both of those guys could end up 6 and 8. You could, you could end up with, you could end up, I think, with four teams that are 6 and 8, with two, or, with two of them making the playoffs. So. <laughs> oh, since, uh, since you've been involved, has there ever been any insane rush like that heading down to the wire? Uh, I think I can't. I, my my memory is kind of curdled every year. I think I close the book each year and then move on. I, I, but definitely, there definitely have been some situations where you had multiple, you know, like, multiple tiebreakers. Um, um, my head is spinning. By the way, I was know. trying to work out 
the the tiebreakers in the West, especially as you mentioned, Frisch SAR. That one can still get very crazy. And I sorry, did I say? I think I said West. I keep meaning to say East. I have not even I have not even looked at the West um, because East is just so crazy. And I actually just learned that um, I guess uh, I guess there's a strength of schedule tiebreaker, which yes. I had forgotten about. Um, if there's if there's a um, if you if you if your head to head doesn't uh, so I can I can actually um, give the tiebreakers now. The tiebreakers go like this: it's head to head, strength of schedule, record versus playoff teams, um, conference record, and then right. a playing game or a coin toss, depending on how. Right. I, over the next few weeks on the court report, or well, over the next week or so, we're going to highlight the different um, the different areas where there's still possibly a tiebreaker, and we'll break it all down. So yeah, I mean, there's there's there are, I found two scenarios where you could get, you know, four teams tied at seven and seven, or four teams tied at six and eight in the in the East. So, um, and it's and totally plausible, like not even stretching it. You know, right? All, all it will take is all it would take is North Shore losing to Mac and David, um, after beating Hank, and uh, and White. Uh, like, oh, I, I guess it would take it would take one of those teams to, for the six and eight one. It would take one of those teams. To right. It would have to be six. Kind of it would have to be six and eight if there was anything. Seven like that. and seven. Seven and seven. Four ways. Much more. Much more. Uh, much more possible. Right. So I guess there it would take North Shore beating Megan David. So that would be. Uh, that, look, that would definitely be interesting. That would definitely turn uh, the the division on its ear, especially given the fact that you know well. Uh, the blueprint's already been put out there for Mag and David now, given what happened last week at the Saturn tournament. Uh, yeah, but, right. But, again, Hank has been kind of inconsistent. I, I was very impressed that Hank did that because they were they faced a really, a really tough road in that tournament. I mean, to have to play BRS and Mag and David in the preliminaries. Um, so I was I thought they'd be a little, a little wiped out. Um, and um, so I, I, yeah, I was surprised they beat. I was surprised they beat Mac and David, but I had no question they were going to win this game once they played Afters because you know I think they have to they have to play those those two games. Um, their third game is a little easier, but they have to play Mac and David in the morning and then and then come back and play after. Um, Arrested half the that was, team. That was, that was a lot to ask of them. So here on the court report, we've gotten into mentioning several names over and over again over the course of the year. You know, Jack Stepner at Frisch. You've mentioned several of the names at Mag and David, Gideon Valinsky at DRS. Is there any one player in the league that set themselves apart from the rest of this year? Um, I do think it's Valinsky at DRS. I mean, what he did down the stretch against Frisch, I mean, they lost the game in the end, but I mean... Besides just being a really talented player, he is a, a clutch performer. I mean, he hit some crazy threes to, to force overtime, you know, late in the game. And Gary got first a lot of credit. I mean, Gary's is a good team. It's not like, you know, DRS was, you know, wasn't a really good team. But every single, you know, first is on the road, any point where Valensky hit one of those shots, that could have been the momentum builder to end it. And first just, you know, had an answer for everything at every point. I think a game like that really, um, you know, really goes well for them in the, you know, in the playoffs down the stretch because um, it shows their toughness. It shows Chris's toughness. It shows that, you know, on the road they can they can deal with those momentum swings and, you know, still 
you know, a week deep and, and, and be able to, to come away with a big win. I mean, I was watching that game. I, I, it's hard to watch that game and not become a fan. That had to have been quite possibly – I mean, you've watched probably many more games than I have this year. That had to have been the top game of the year to this point. I, I thought it was, yeah. I, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Kelly Tarr and Milken, you know, like, say what you want about holding the ball during overtimes. It's still a strategy, and that was still an excellent game. I, I think, I do think you hold the ball for four overtimes. It does detract, you know, I mean, overall, but before that, the first four quarters were a phenomenal game. I mean, that was, those two teams were, you know, that was a really, really good game, two really, really good teams. And, um, and again, I don't, I don't have an issue with which one to hold the ball. That's you know, that's a strategy issue, and they, they do that. That's fine. I don't have an issue. Um, I do think it, it it took away a little bit from what was an outstanding game for four quarters. Um, not to take anything away from Valley Tower, they, they won the game. They, you know, thankfully they did at that point, but um, but it was really a good game for four quarters as well. Um, we'll get to Valley Tower in a couple of minutes, so keep that keep that in the back of your mind as we finish off things in the Yeshiva League. Also, I think I think also the SAR first was also another outstanding game. Um, that was really really a good game, and uh, uh, but but DRS first was, was definitely so far the best game of the year. I think. Well, you sense a pattern with Frisch in both um, going down the stretch. If, if I had to ask you to pick one team coming out of the Yeshiva League. Who would you lay your money on? Um, I'm actually going to say DRS. I, I think wow. I just I think they they developed some. I think they, they they've got. I, I was worried about their size early on. Um, they've got a guy in the middle now who's playing who's playing you know much better. Um, and that you know they definitely have three really good guards and they just they play smart. Um, and I'm not I'm not for a second. Saying that they're going to do it, I just, I, I, I think it. you know, because I, I, but again, I think I, I just think that um, you know, you've seen the games already that they played close. So I think any game that, that, that these guys play in the playoffs is going to be you know a close game and, and you know to turn on anything. So um, that's just I don't know. It's I think it's easy to pick the two undefeated teams. I'm going with the ones just outside. And then, you know, and we haven't really talked about FDR. FAR has great balance. I think they struggle scoring um, in stretches. I think that might be a problem, but they they have a lot of a lot of balance. They have an excellent point guard. They got size inside. Um, they've got shooters. Um, so they're you know let's see what happens. They, they could they could be first next week, and then you know who knows what happens if we end up with the tiebreaker. So. Just taking a look down the stretch, here are the games for people to uh, look into in regards to what they mean for the playoffs next Thursday. We'll have North Shore and Mag and David and YDE and Flatbush, so that goes to what you were talking about in the middle of the East. Hank will also take on Hafter in Hafter on Saturday night the 3rd. And uh, I think the next big matchup really is going to be that, uh, that Frisch SAR game on Tuesday the 6th. I think that'll go... Uh, at least a, a decent way in helping figure out where the West top spot is going to go. But there are several other games that will help determine the West, which also looks like it has a four-team logjam at the bottom. Um, so it looks like it's going to be a very, very action-packed week and a half, two weeks, as we round out the Yeshiva League schedule. But now that being the case, 
Uh, I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm sure that as we turn the calendar to February, everybody is keeping one eye on the biggest event of the basketball year, the 2018 Red Saracek Tournament. Uh, can you share a little info on this year's event with us, so anything you might already know? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a little premature. Um, you know, the, the final teams are, are being finalized. Um, we, don't, we don't know who the New York teams are. Um, it's safe to say, um, I think it's safe to say that you'll, you'll see, you'd see at least two of Mag and David Frisch, DRS, SAR, um, you know, those look like, those are the four, the four teams that are getting buys, those are the four best teams, um, it's kind of, uh, uh, it's not a, you know, people thought, people thought it was, you know, winner in the West, winner in the East, that's not how it goes, it goes by, it goes by best record. Um, you know, the two best teams, um, and then there are, you know, discretionary picks. So that's, that's something that, um, that YU will, will decide in the next few weeks. Um, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure there's not going to be any announcement on that until the, the regular season ends. So we're still a few weeks away. Um, last year's Saturday was very early, so it kind of, kind of forced their hand, the end of um, what? Last, last year was the end of February, wasn't it? I think end of February, very, very beginning of March. So, um, yeah, that was earlier than we've ever had it. Um, this year, it's second week in March. It's a, you know, it's a um, good mix. And also, it's I, I'm pretty. It's the week after the UCLA League Championship. I always, I can't stand it when you know the League Championship is still undecided um, for any number of reasons, um, but. One being that we, you know, we don't always get, you know, the finalists at Saracek. Um, you know, uh, so, um, but this year it, it works out well. It's a week afterwards, so, you know, Yeshua can, can play itself out. There's no, there's no question about, um, you know, coaches worried about what, what happens if they're left in the Yeshua League championship to play after Saracek. Um, so it, it works out nicely this year. Taking a look at the website, the Red Saracek Basketball Tournament will be Thursday, March 15th to Monday, March 19th. And it looks like the remaining teams for the Yeshiva League are going to be announced on February 9th, it looks like. Taking a look at the list of the teams that are in the, uh, in the field so far, the 14 teams, then one name that obviously stands out has to be Valley Torah. Uh, you know, Valley Torah, as you mentioned before, going out, winning the Cooper tournament. Is there a sense that Valley Tora has to be the favorite going in, especially given the year that uh, Ryan Terrell is having? Um, I think so. I mean, they played, they played Frisch. Um, they played DRS, beat them, uh, obviously played Milken. So they haven't faced Magan David, though Milken handled Magan David pretty well at Cooper. And Cooper is, you know, way in the rearview mirror now. It's, it's a long time ago. A lot of stuff has happened. Um, uh, I think you would you would have to, but but again, they played at Chalhevet. They played first, and that was a very sort of final. And that was a very close game. So, um, yeah, I mean, the only losses they've had so far uh, have come. They transfer rules in um, in California have affected a few of the teams. Um, out there, a few of the Jewish teams out there. Um, Valley Toro went four or five games without um, three or four of the players, I think including two or three starters. 
Um, that affected them. Unfortunately, we couldn't get a, a rematch with Milken because when they went to the Milken tournament, they were missing all these players. They lost the two players in the pool play, so they ended up playing for fifth place. Clearly, they were not, you know, clearly they were one of the two or three teams, uh, best teams at that tournament. Uh, it would have been nice to get another, you know, a rematch with, with Milken, hopefully a few overtimes, but um, that didn't happen just because Sally Cole was, you know, missing their players. And actually, the team that beat Milken in the championship in that won by about 15, 20 points. And Valley Toro lost them, I think, by two or three in the preliminary round without all these players. So um, I think that 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 is just their way of Cooper kind of distances, you know, makes the distance between Milken and Valley Toro a little, a little greater. Um, and again, first, almost, you know, they, they played them tough about Charlotte. So I think that. Um, since we're discussing non-Yeshiva League teams, let's sort of break through the tunnel vision that the Metro Area Court Report listeners might have and open them up to some of what's going on around the nation. Like if you wanted to grab everyone's attention, what would appeal to them? Um, Yavid Dallas is a nice story. Um, there's, there's criticism out there that Yavid Dallas plays a soft schedule. Um, they, they, um, they went to Baltimore for the Wiener tournament. They went seven zero in that. They beat Hafter. They beat Heschel twice. They beat Beth Phil. They're still a nice team. Um, so Yavin's got Yavin has a kind of three players that that really the team revolves around, and they are in a good position. They, they made it to their state championship last year in uh, what's called Taps Division. Division Two, which is the second second smallest division, I might have it wrong. Which three? Um, sorry, they are there's three. Um, so that's the third of the like the middle of the six divisions out there, and they they got to the final. I mean, I remember Baron in the in the lower level in Caps made it to the final a few years ago. I mean, the idea that a Jewish school can win a state championship is pretty exciting. Um, no matter what level, I mean, you remember, you know, Hoosiers, nothing, nothing happens like Hoosiers at the bar. I mean, you just don't have the tiny school that plays, you know, the, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the big city, the, the big city school. It just doesn't happen anymore. Um, but everybody kind of fits into the division that they belong in, and they get the chance to, to move on. And they're exploring. We had, you know, we had Milken and Sean playing for a sectional championship last year. That was phenomenal. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of what I talked about, about the ceiling, that, that very few of these schools get the opportunity to do that, and that's kind of what we try to do, that, you know, gives them an opportunity to not just compete against their own, you know, conferences back home and get as far as they can, which is arguably not so far with all the competition out there, but also to compete nationally, um, if not, you know, game by game, at least, you know, that's what we do with the rankings and things like that to try to, you know, there's this other pool of 75 teams that you're part of that you, you know, that you're competing against also. But anyway, Yavna, the Yavna could potentially be a really good story. I mean, they, the way things are shaking out now, they got a transfer from last year, you know, so they have, they have a really good point guard who came back from last year. They've got a, a, another guy who's, uh, um, a, you know, a, a kind of a swing forward who's playing really well, um, scoring about 20 points a game. Um, they they should make it back to the, the state you know their their state final so that that will be exciting. Um, you've got um, you've got in, in California you've got the divisions were kind of 
mixed up this year. They kind of reshuffled them, so it doesn't look like there won't be. Um, you know, Milken and Eula are going to be very hard pressed to even, you know, be seated in their sectionals, um, uh, and so they're going to have a, a tough road. You know, if Milken was playing in the same division as, let's say, Valley Forest or Everett, you know, they compete and they go far because they're in a higher one. Um, it's going to be hard. So Hemet, it's also going to be hard for them. Um, Valley Tora is in pretty good position with NR, so they could compete for a, for a sectional championship. Um, and you got a team like Tarbert Matara, who nobody really knows anything about. I haven't seen them play. They, they, they're like they're 9-1. Um, their, their level of competition is definitely lower because they're in a smaller conference. Um, but they're a pretty good team. They have also a transfer player who's been playing really well for them. Um, and they are relatively high in their conference, so they could compete for a sectional championship. Um, elsewhere, it's really nice to watch, you know, in Chicago, it's nice to watch for Selzell and I found at, at Castle Battle. Um, Rochelle looked look really good at, um, in Cooper. Um, Fassman has played both them and I had a crown toss and I had a crown beat for Selzell. So it's hard to, that's one of the hardest things we, we have is to really compare teams who don't play each other, don't play any common opponents, um, and kind of figure out where everyone fits in. Um, and it's, it's hard a lot of times to figure out, you know, strength of schedule for some of these programs because, um, you know, they're playing, they generally play the same teams they do all the time, so you kind of get a feel for, you know, how they're doing one year compared to the next. But you don't necessarily know if another team lost eight players to graduation and, and you know, is down. So you see you see one of your teams beat these guys, you think that's, you know, that's great, but you find out the team is down. Or they might lose to a team that they, you know, in other years, beat, and all of a sudden you find out that they have, you know, seven seniors this year, who, you know, with three transfers, you know, um, you know, made that team really good. So, uh, and Florida also, Florida's competition is, is really solid. Cosmac and Hebrew County Miami this year seems to stand out. Um, uh, those guys have played um, twice, I think, already and, and split their games. Um, so it's, it's good to, to watch all these, uh, all these schools, you know, around the country and, uh, see how they're doing and see how they're, you know, especially the ones who are coming to start check, you know, and, um, get, get ready for that. It certainly has been an amazing year, and uh, again, thank you for all that you do, for bringing all the national information to us here on the local level at uh, in the metro area, and for those of us uh, listeners of the Court Report uh, outside, but may not have access to what goes on around the nation. And once again, uh, talking with uh, John Bandler, the uh, guru behind JHA Hoops on Twitter, and uh, the man that brings us all up to date on what's going on around the nation. Again, John, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, anything else uh, before we wrap this up? Anything else that you'd like our listeners to know? Nope, just uh, looking forward to a good, good stretch run and territory. We certainly look forward to talking to you again soon and uh, catching up on all of the wrapping up around the nation. Thank you so much, John. Great, thanks. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nakam Siegel Network. I'm your host, Elliot Weisenberg, taking you through the week in Yeshiva League Sports. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Thank you once again to John Bandler, JHA Hoops, on your Twitter dial. Uh, tune in, uh, friend him, follow him, whatever it is. You can see him on uh, Jewish Hoops America also. But like I said... 
The dude's the dude knows what he's talking about when it comes to what's going on around the nation. And I thank him so much for coming on and being a part of it. Been trying to get a basketball interview all year, and I'm extremely thankful that he was able to come on and really give us the 411 about what's going on around the nation. Let's move over to hockey now and take a look at uh, what's going on there in terms of their. Uh, playoff scenarios and what's going on around the hockey league. We'll start off in JV hockey where things are just a little bit easier to uh, discuss. There are very few games still to go. There were no games this past week. There'll be no games again until Wednesday the 31st. So the truth is we won't have a JV hockey update for you past what we're doing tonight until after we come back uh, and I believe that is going to be on the 6th. We might touch on it because the games will obviously give you uh, the, the schedule, but there's not going to be anything updated until we get back on the 6th, and at that point, there will only be one night left. So by the time we get to discuss this again, things will pretty much be determined. There might be some a few outliers. Uh, the West will probably still be looking for its champion, but at least at that point, we'll be able to give you the only scenarios that can come about from the games that are remaining. Taking a look at the East, Rambam pretty much in control at the top of the East with 15 points, a record of 7-0-1. Hafter at 6-2, 12 points. Mag and David, 10-5-5. DRS, 9 points, 4-3-1. North Shore, 8 uh, eight points at four and five. Those are the only teams that still have opportunities left to make the playoffs in the East. North Shore hanging on by a thread. The only way that North Shore can make the playoffs now. You have Rambam and Hafter that have clinched their playoff spots as well as Mag and David. The final playoff spot will come down to either DRS or North Shore. The only way North Shore can make it is with a win and a DRS loss. Now, it's going to be a little bit difficult. North Shore can get that win. Uh, the problem is North Shore uh, will be facing Flatbush. They'll be doing so without uh, uh, Charles Gresham, who will be moved up to varsity for their potential playoff run. So they'll be doing that shorthanded, and the two of them, the two teams faced off earlier on in the year, and that was a barn burner, and uh, only mainly because Gresham was on. Uh, I think we uh, noted his uh, seven goals, I think it was in the 10 7. Uh, North Shore win. So that being that case, DRS thing, uh, will end up playing Flatbush as well. Uh, DRS will also play Hafter in there, but it seems somewhat unlikely that North Shore is going to end up in the playoffs at this point, but that is the opportunity that they have. Um, Rambam, like I said, looks to be running away with it. If Rambam beats Hank on the 31st, Rambam will be the division champion, and it'll be down to Hafter, Mag, and David, DRS, and North Shore to fight. Uh, I believe Hafter, at this point, has actually wrapped up... Uh, have they wrapped up? Yes, they've ra- Hafter's r- almost wrapped up the two because DRS can still jump above them. With two DRS wins, DRS can jump above Hafter, assuming that Rambam beats Hafter on Wednesday the 7th. By the time we get there, we'll know exactly what still needs to happen. DRS could beat Hafter. The two of them play on Sunday the 4th. If Hafter beats DRS, Hafter will automatically have the two-seed. And Mag and David staying where they are, they'll either be the 3 or the 4, depending on what happens with DRS. DRS, as we said, can get as high as the 2, or they can be as low as eliminated, uh, but it seems most likely they will be in as either the 3 or the four. Moving over to the West, uh, 
Um, this is actually an extremely, extremely tight race. You have Frisch at the top at 7-0-0-1 with 15 points. TABC at 7-1, 14 points. Kushner at 6-1-2, 14 points. SAR, 12 points, 6-3. JEC at 11 points with 5-3-1. JEC looks to be on the outside looking in. You have three teams that have already clinched berths in the Frisch, TABC, and Kushner. SAR can clinch a playoff berth with a win over Ramaz. Uh, or a JEC loss or tie. JEC needs a win and an SAR loss. That is it. The problem for JEC, their opponent ahead, not exactly an easy one. JEC's remaining opponent will be Frisch on Saturday the 3rd. Speaking of Frisch, Frisch at the top, there are three teams that can still clinch the division. Frisch, TABC, and Kushner. The only way Kushner can do it, as I said last week, Kushner needs to win their remaining game against TABC and then have Frisch and TABC tie in their last game. That'll tie Kushner and Frisch at 16 points, and Kushner will have the advantage by having the win over um, over Frisch. Um, well, actually, it would come down first to uh, to tiebreak, which would mean that, which would be uh, Frisch, well, they'd have the same number of w- actual wins. Kushner would get the head-to-head, but that's the only way Kushner can get there. Otherwise, they'll either be fighting for the two or the three. The winner of Frisch TABC, if there is a winner, will be the one seed. That's pretty much a fact. Uh, the loser will be, will be well, I can't say that because there's still games in between. Frisch has to beat TABC. Uh, sorry, Frisch has to beat JEC. TABC still has to play Kushner. So let's hold off on that. But assuming that all things are equal beyond Frisch and TABC up until their last game, that last game on the 7th will decide the division. Moving over to varsity hockey now. Uh, This is a little bit more complicated. Just going to give you the scores for the past two weeks. There were no scores. Uh, The only game that actually did end up having a result was Westchester and Shari Torah, the battle of the two undefeated, uh, sorry, winless teams in the division. Um, uh, Ironically, the game didn't even happen. Um, That uh, wound up being a Shari Torah forfeit. Uh, Ironically, in, in my opinion, having ref several Shari Torah games, probably the only game this year Shari Torah actually could have won is the one that they decided to forfeit. Uh, Westchester gets the win, leaving Shari Torah as the only winless team in the league uh, f- for this year. Um, that being the case, looking at the standings, uh, well, hold on. First of all, there was also supposed to be Westchester Sh- uh, Solomon Schechter. That game is actually postponed until. Uh, this coming week. That'll be played on Tuesday the 30th. Um, So at least that game is being postponed and made up, but the other game uh, was uh, handled as a forfeit and will not be made up. That going to Westchester. Taking a look at the the divisions, uh, this is going to be a little harder to actually parse out, so we're just going to give you the the standings, and then we'll get to it in a couple of weeks. So you have DRS, uh, 21 points, 10, 1, and 1. Hafter, 18 points, 9, and 3. DRS is sm- just inches away from clinching a playoff berth. A win or a Hafter loss will give them that berth. Rambam in third place at 8 and 4 with 16 points. North Shore, 7 and 5, 14 points. Solomon Schechter, 6, 4, and 2. Uh, sorry, 0 oh, and 2. With 14 points, Hank, 6 and 5, 12 points. Flatbush, 4, 6, 
Oh, and one nine points Flopbush is teetering on the brink of elimination. One loss will do it. You will have four teams. You have Rambam, Norshaw, Salman, Schechter, and Hank, and an outside chance at Hafter being involved in a massive five-team, four or five-team jumble down to the wire. And we'll hopefully highlight that for you in a few weeks when it shakes itself out. You'll have North Shore and Flopush facing each other. You'll have Hank and Rombaum facing each other. A lot of really good stuff going on in the East that will help uh, really shake things out once we have a better view of it on the 6th. Looking at the West, TABC at the top, 11 0 and one 22 points. Still, though, not in control of their own destiny. SAR has that. SAR is 10 0 and one They have 21 points. Frisch, 8-3-1, 17 points. MTA, 8-3, 16 points. It seems as if those are the two teams that will be fighting for the 3 and the 4 seed. Kushner, 5-5-0-1, 17 points. JEC, uh, four and seven. Sorry, Kushner has eleven points. JC four and seven, eight points. Ramaz four and seven, eight points. Hillel three and seven, six points. Westchester one and eleven. Now the race that's going to uh, gain some traction over the next week will likely be that race at the bottom, separating out the bottom two teams. Um, Ramaz facing SAR in their last two games. Uh, unless they can pull out any points, JEC will likely be that last team in. Hillel at 3-7 and seven has some tough competition ahead. If they can pull out points, then that's then they, they'll put themselves back into the mix. But it seems as if you know that TABC, SAR, Frisch, and MTA are already in. It seems as if Kushner and JEC have the bead on the last two spots in the West. All right, looking at the clock, does not look like we will have enough time to really talk Yeshiva League roller hockey. So we'll just uh, we'll get to that next week. Just give a quick plug. The boys will be in action this coming Sunday, the 28th, in North Arlington, 170 Schuyler Avenue, North Arlington, New Jersey. They will have a triple header of games. Uh, they'll start out at 7 a.m. against Oswego, 10 a.m. against Syracuse, and 12 p.m. noon against Hofstra. I want to thank everybody for listening in. I want to thank John Bandler again for uh, interviewing with us regarding the state of Yeshiva League basketball and national Yeshiva basketball as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Uh, Tune in next week. Again, hopefully we'll have a uh, hockey interview, and we'll go over what's going on in the basketball leagues. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Sunday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the court report in our archives on the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, Jam in the AM with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the app or the stream, NachumSiegel.com. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday, starting again next Tuesday morning on Jam in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning Jam in the AM sports update. You can also reach me on Facebook, Twitter, and our Instagram page. Uh, once again, I'm Elliot Weiselberg reminding you, it's good to be smart, but better to be wise. See you next week, right here on The Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. 
Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com